Hey, hey, welcome to Living Aura, your podcast for choosing faith over fear, where I inspire and motivate life-giving promise into your role in your business, your home, and your mind. Hey, I'm Laura Carter, and I'm so glad you're here because I'm on a mission to help people just like you learn how to be alive in the aura and energy of flow that attracts abundance in your life. So welcome to Living Aura. I have Doug Stringer on the line, and I met him back in Houston in 1996 during a 40 days of prayer and intercession held at Prayer Mountain in Houston. And my church, I remember, was very involved, as were other local and international churches, being there on nights and late nights, um, praying. People from all over the world were gathered there for worship and prayer. And I just remember, I remember a certain thing, writing out some prayer cards and laying them out on on the, just everywhere. And, and you were praying over them. And, and I just remember it reverberated in my core. And I think it ignited at that time a, a deep lifestyle of intercessory prayer because, uh, you know, I was being immersed in it. And at, at such a young age, it was especially at that age, I believe it makes a big, big difference. Cause I know I watch my nine-year-old and how he's just a sponge and he absorbs everything and they're so impressionable at that age. And so, um, and, and you were, you know, during that time for me. And so I'm just so giddy to have you on this because I feel like we've gone full circle and getting to our, our paths to meet up again, um, all these years later, and I'm just excited to see where where you are now, what you're doing. I know you have a brand new book release coming up, or maybe it was today. You can let me know. And yeah, take it away. Yeah. Well, Laura, it's very, very uh, cool to be able to reconnect. And as I was telling you off camera earlier, you're making me feel old. I mean, if you were nine years old back in 1996, oh my gosh. Uh, actually, I just turned uh, uh, 50 for the 14th time not too long ago. And, uh, but I still feel young in heart and thinking, man, you brought back a lot of memories going back to those 40 days of, of prayer and fasting and worship. And I remember it was in 1996 in July, I was taking a month just to seek the Lord about what to do for our city and pray for the nations. Cause at that time the nations were coming to Houston. And as you know, Houston is now the most diverse city in the in America it has more languages spoken than, than even New York or LA. And so if, if the Lord does something in Houston, he can touch the nations of the world. And it's always been in my heart from the time I was a young leader to even where I am today to see the next generation rise up and to be that uh, forerunner generation to go touch the nations of the world, impact the culture. And, and that's what you're doing and so many others that have taken on that mantle. And so I'm just praying that God will let us see with our, my, let me and my generation see with our eyes what we prayed for. But I remember in that month of July of 1996, I'd been praying and, and I felt like I was supposed to ask the owner of a large amphitheater because Houston's flat, but I wanted to call it Houston Prayer Mountain. So I found an amphitheater that had like a, a landfill and they made a big rock concert place and, and festivities place and they had an indoor place as well. And I asked if I could rent it for 40 straight days for the last 40 days of 1996. And to my amazement, uh, they didn't even take what I offered. 
and which was bigger than I had anyway. But uh, it was amazing how the Lord had already spoken to their hearts. And so we rented it for 40 days. And to our amazement, every day we'd open up at 6 a.m. to people pray on the mountain, have the cross up and, and come inside and pray. And then uh, we at night at 7 p.m. every night, We'd have different worship teams gathered to worship, and we'd go to well after midnight almost every single night. And to see people your age that were there excited, fall asleep when you need to, get up and worship again or pray, and just let all the family just mingle together. It was a beautiful sight to see people crossing racial, denominational, generational lines. And, uh, and because of that, based on Matthew 28, it says that after the resurrection, the disciples went to the mountain that Jesus had appointed to them, and they simply worshiped him. And as they worshiped him, all authority was given to Jesus was then given to them for the Great Commission. Now I realize if we put aside our political differences, our denominational differences, all the things that could divide us, come together to lift up just the name of Jesus, that he would do something only he could do. We need that today more than ever. But back then, it was a beautiful thing to see by word of mouth, people showed up from all over the world. We had over 300 churches involved. The people began to come from all over the world, from Australia, Europe, Africa, South America. And I think after we did a head count after the 40 days that went into New Year's Eve and the New Year's Day, we had well over 25 or 30,000 people came through that wow. showed up from all over. And, and I keep getting testimonies of people even now that said there was something significant about that season that impacted them and still has helped them all these years later. Definitely. I testify to that. <laughs> <laughs> well, earlier you you had asked me if uh, you know what we're doing now, and as you know, we I started back when I was twenty four years old in ministry, and I had been in the fitness business. And one day I woke up and realized that I was, even though I professed to be a Christian, I really wasn't serving the Lord. And uh, and I began to see things differently, and I began to see homeless people and drug addicts and at risk youth and gang members and. And my heart was breaking for them. So one day, me and my roommate woke up, and we ended up having 17 people living in our apartment. And then a widow lady opened up her home. I put some people there. Somebody gave me an apartment in Stafford, Texas, which is just outside of Houston. I put six more there. And then somebody gave me a, a three-bedroom house near Katy, Texas, and I put, um, uh, I put 12 more there. So that's how we started. I didn't realize that in the midst of all that we were going through, that I was going to end up, uh, in the midst of all that I was already doing in the business that I was in, I was also going to end up taking care of a bunch of homeless people, drug addicts, gang members, and at-risk youth. But God has a way of, uh, especially for me, when I did, took me at my word, he said, Lord, I'm available. And he took me at my word. Now, there's a lot of things I wouldn't do now that I did back then. I had to learn the hard way. But, you know, I look back and I see the faithfulness of God. It's been almost 40 years for me being in ministry. And uh, as I said earlier, I just turned 50 for the 14th time, but I'm believing God to raise up a generation of young people like yourself who are doing great things. And my hope is to see with my eyes all we prayed for. You know, when I was a young minister, there was a man named Leonard Ravenhill, and uh, he had wrote the book, Why Revival Terries. And in fact, he had a big influence in David Wilkerson's life and Keith Green and so many others. And uh, I remember we become connected. And he spoke to me one day and said, one day there will be a generation of young people that will gather from all over the world, will come to Houston and spend 20 minutes to two weeks or more, and they'll go back and take a spark of revival. I've been holding that promise, 
And I'm seeing that promise lived out in this next generation. You know, a lot of people talk negative about your generation, but I'm seeing a spark of, of no compromise, a spark of, of a generation that has put aside their differences to say, we're going to make an impact in the culture. Absolutely. I know for me, I feel, I feel the words, you're set up. And the, the seeds that were sown at a, at a young age, we're now reaping a harvest. Yes. And it's, you have to be attentive and awake to when he speaks to act upon that movement that God is doing in my generation. Yes. And for a long time, I was quiet and I didn't know what to say. I love Jesus. I prayed and I worshiped and I danced and I, I raised my kids as godly leaders but I didn't know, I wasn't very verbose. I was just quiet. And um, just recently, the Lord, you know, a couple, couple weeks ago, he spoke to me and he's like, it's time. You're ready. Launch this podcast and watch me network and help you speak up and be a leader, create a platform for multiple generations and all ethnicities, all walks of life to encourage and inspire to lead a life of faith and abundance and prosperity because we are connected to the kingdom of, of abundance and to to spark and ignite and that um that flame that we can carry to be awakened again to things that we were once taught or we once knew but we were not living and um i think that's part of my commission to Absolutely. to lead um to lead my generation in that to live a life fully awake and this podcast is called it's called living aura and the lord gave me that that those that phrase because aura is setting the atmosphere and and i know even for me as a woman it's my duty to set the atmosphere the tone of my home and the way i do that you know is by you know not not nagging, not, <laughs> not, um, taking offense, things like that, being able to drop off negative, um, thinking and dismantle lies and just things like that in your mind and your life, turn on the worship music, lead a life of prayer and, and by example. And, um, so we're just, I'm just working. God's been speaking to me about that. You know, what kind of people I can bring on to, help encourage and expand that atmosphere where in our life, our home and in our business. And I think that you're so um, instrumental in leading, you know, I think you've even written a book on leadership. Is that correct? That's true. I wrote a book called leadership awakening and uh, I've got a new book coming out uh, next week called mending the net, bringing hope in a hurting world. Great. Tell me about that. Well, you know, back in 19, uh, I mean, back in 2001, I published a book called Somebody Cares, A Guide to Living Out Your Faith. And it's been out of print, but everybody still wants it. And so my new publisher asked if I would rewrite that book, update it, and add some more chapters. And now we're calling it Mending in the Net, uh, uh, Bringing Hope in a Hurting World. Because, And when we decided to do that, that was last year, actually 2019. So now it's coming out. Who would have known that we were going to go through everything we went through in 2020 and how 
everybody needs a semblance of hope because they're hurting. And so what a, a great opportunity. In fact, I talk about the church you used to go to when you were nine years old. And because there, it was so beautiful to see so many young people mixed with families and worshiping together. And But I tell the story of, of the pastor now of New Haven, which was the back then Bamble Baptist Church and uh, Hank Marion. Hey, and he tells a story. And by the way, I've got to say, Laura, it has blessed my socks off to reconnect with you. Thank you for reaching out. And it made me feel old when you told me that, oh, yeah, I used to come to Prayer Mount when I was nine years old. My dad, and of course, your dad, Gary, and we've been friends for many, many years. But I remember a story he told, and I tell it in my book, Mending the Net, that, you know, we've got to get past the sniffing and growling and checking each other out. And, and there's a lot of work to be done. And right now, with so much divisiveness and so much uh, separation and, and hurt going on in our country, we need a generation to rise up that crosses racial, denominational lines and divisions and to be able to really take hold of their of the responsibility to lead us into a place of victory and hope instead of all the negativity that we see. We need good news in the midst of all the bad news. And so I tell the story about when Hank was a little boy growing up and his dad had a hundred head of cattle and they used to have these dogs called blue healer dogs. Now blue healers do one thing. They live, eat to breathe just to bring round up the sheep or the cattle. That's what they love to do. And usually when they say, go blue, their dogs run out, gather in the sheep of the cattle and bring them into the, into the corral. And, and so one day they had a, a neighbor who had 500 head of cattle and didn't have enough blue healer dogs. So all the neighbors said, well, let's get neighborly and let's get up at 7 a.m. and take all of our dogs and join with our neighbor and help them out. Well, that morning they had their coffee. And when it was time to go round up the cattle, they let their dogs go and they all say, go blue, go blue. And normally they live, eat, and breathe to round up cattle. But this time, the dogs would not even listen to the voice of their owners because they didn't know each other. The dogs ran to each other, began to growl at each other, sniff each other out, check each other out. Their hairs were on the top of their heads. They were angry at each other, trying to check each other out. And finally, even though the owners were saying, go blue, they wouldn't listen. But finally, when they were done sniffing, growling, and checking each other out, they ran out rounded up the cattle and bring, brought it into the, into the corral. And the moral of that story is we have to get past our sniffing, growling, and checking each other out. There's a lot of work to be done. We need each other more than, and we have more in common in Christ than we have that divides us. We need each other crossing our denominational and generational lines together. Yes, amen. Absolutely. So what is what is um, somebody cares uh, your ministry? What are we, you up to nowadays? Absolutely. Well, one of the things that I, um, you know, I really appreciate about your generation and you is that and it's something you said earlier. It's not about our ability; it's about our availability. And I've learned from the very and when I was twenty four years old, going into ministry, I didn't feel qualified. I, I'm thinking I don't know what to do, but I made myself available. And I made myself uh, obe. I wanted to be walk in simple obedience to God, which is the highest form of worship. And I wanted to be available to God. I didn't know what that looked like. Right. So God's not looking for our ability, our education. All those things are important, but He wants more than anything. He wants us to be available to Him, and then to simply just obey Him when He speaks to us. I didn't feel like I was good at communicating. I didn't feel like I was good at, at being. You know, I'm, I'm too sanguine. I just like to hang out with people. But, <laughs> For me to have to share God's word with people, that was a different thing, you know, and share my life. And I realized, it's just like Francis of Assisi said, 
Preach the gospel at all times, but if you must, use words. It's about our life. It's about our availability to God. And when we're in the presence of a holy God, we're lost in his majesty. Something happens in us that wants to share what he's doing in us to other people. So uh, when I began to start in 1981, it was, like I said, taking people off the streets. I didn't know what I was doing. And I'm not saying everybody should do that, but just be available with the gifts that God's given you. And the, through that process, we began to minister to people. And some of the ones that became, uh, became Christians or people we helped out began to prosper. So one homeless person ended up becoming the president of his own company. Another drug addict that was homeless ended up becoming uh, the owner of another company. We had so many great testimonies of people just began to get touched by the presence of God and took their humanly impossible situation and helped them to become all that God called them to be. So all the way from Australia to uh, parts of Africa, all through South America, throughout the United States and Asia, Europe, we have people that have been touched by the gospel. We've been allowed to be a part of their lives and to see lives change. And so now Somebody Cares has become uh, a known for prayer, local, national, international prayer initiatives that I'm still involved in. We've become known for um, compassion coalition of organizations that uh, in cities all across America and different parts of the world and missions and reaching the homeless, reaching at-risk youth, drug addicts, people that are going through struggles, HIV, uh, rescuing those in human trafficking. So we've had all these relationships in this compassion coalition so that when a disaster happens, instead of waiting for the red tape of the bureaucracy, we have people on ground from Haiti to Japan to Philippines to across America that already are there and that we're able to connect to to help empower them to reach the community, those that are hurting. And so because of that, we ended up becoming known for our leadership. And then I wrote the book Leadership Awakening because of the many, many leaders that are being pastors to business leaders that are looking for direction in their own lives to perseverance and courageous leadership in the midst of difficult times. And so it, it's not something I sought out to do. I just made myself available and God did it. And just yeah. like you're doing with this great podcast, and all that God's doing in your life is, is, a, is a wife, a mother, is a, is a person hosting a podcast and other things. God's using you because you said, Lord, look, I'm available. You've given me different, different passions and gifts. Utilize what you've done in me. And look what God's doing with you, Laura. Yes. I mean, I have, I have no idea what the future holds. I just, I just turn on the mic. <laughs> Amen. And I fumble over my words. And I'm not a trained speaker. And I don't know what I'm talking about half the time. And sometimes I even make up words, <laughs> but I just said, yes, go and I just said, yes. And so I'm just here waiting on God and, and, and just flabbergasting whatever he does with it. And, Amen. and, um, that's, that's all I can do. Amen. I was talking to a, a podcast coach who interviewed me. He has a national podcast himself. And I think he gets like hundreds of thousands of downloads a month. I think, wow. But he said, you know, it's not about uh, it's not about trying to get that many followers. It's an issue of just being who you are, communicate from the from the the personality that God's given you and the gifts God's given you, and it will impact someone who will impact someone else. And and the fact is, uh, God has given you a gift. He's given you a passion for God. That's most important. He's given you a love for people, and that's secondly. Jesus said, "Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and body." And secondly, is likened under that. Love others as yourself. So the point is, God's given you all that already. You're fully equipped. Uh, and I'm like I said, I'm excited to be on your podcast. I'm honored that you would even contact me to be a part. Hey, man, absolutely. Yes. Well, I wanted to ask you a, a real important question. And 
And I don't know what your answer is going to be. This is it's exciting. But what is one thing that you could share with leaders of the home or small business owners or entrepreneurs or, or leaders, spirit, spiritual leaders even, for setting the tone in the atmosphere in their home or in their business to create more um, love and God's presence and hope, uh, transforming the mentality of um, I can't or I'm not worthy or I'm not qualified and learning how to adopt what God says about them, how to walk in purpose and impact for their life. Absolutely. That's a, a long, it's a, a question that has a lot to go with it, but I know, I think I, I, I'm understanding what you're asking me to say or where to go with this because it's a part of my life um, core values. There are certain things I have in my life that are non-negotiables because life has its unexpected detours. Life has its challenges. Uh, marriage, you know, our family, we are all going to go through things. Our jobs, our, the culture in which we live, there are things that can be so disheartening that we can become so overwhelmed with stress and anxiety that uh, that we don't know what to do. And that's where we have to create that atmosphere you talked about. I loved when you said that earlier, creating an atmosphere because the family is the microcosm of the culture. Yes. If we can protect the refuge of our family, we don't always agree in our marriages or in our, with our family and our siblings, but, <clears throat> but <coughs> excuse me, but, but, we still are family regardless. And I think the same, that microcosm, when you look at the body of Christ, that we may not always agree on everything, but if we can look at the things that are most important, if we look at what that we're part of something bigger than ourselves, if we look at there some things we have to take the high road on for the sake of creating the atmosphere of God's peace and God's health and God's hope and God's protection and his, and his purposes. And too often we want to be so right, especially the Advent, advent of social media. Everybody has something to say. Everybody's an opinionator. Everybody is a grandstand shouter. They're like the old proverbial statement, you know, the backseat driver. Everybody wants to say something and they think that because they're on a computer or on a, on a phone that they can say things and it's not hurtful. But the reality is we have to be careful how we season what we communicate in words and writing and gesture because that's what will last. That's what will be out there. And before we enter the portals of eternity, it's how we've lived before we enter that portal of eternity that determines if we're going to have an influence now and for the generations to come. Right. So I think it's important for us to be very careful, even with our words, because words are supposed to be life. But yet too often the book of James, as you know, Laura, says that it should not be blessing and cursing at the same tongue. But yet we've got to be careful how we speak or how we communicate to people. And we see the divisiveness even in our country right now. And and people that are so quick to, to make opinions and make statements and forget that there are people watching that may not be able to handle what we're saying. We have to be careful to keep everything at the centrality of the cross. So it's atmosphere through worship, atmosphere through prayer. So what I have to do personally, this is not what I'm asking everybody else to do. What I do is I have a, two prayer times every morning. My first prayer time is when I wake up, I call it my horizontal prayer time. I'm laying in bed. And all I do is I say, Lord, thank you. Thank you for your provisions. Thank you for my family. I don't ask him for anything because I, there's plenty of time to do that. But sometimes just to thank him just because of who he is and what he's already done. I'm not homeless anymore. And I was homeless for a short period of time when I was 18 years old. 
Uh, I'm not on drugs anymore. I, I begin to thank him for all the things that he's done in my life so that I have an attitude of gratitude. So I create an atmosphere of adoration and worship because appreciation releases blessings. So if we appreciate our spouse, the reciprocity of that is that they want to appreciate us. If we're always talking down to people or talking negative to people, they're going to respond the same way. So we have to create an atmosphere of appreciation and adoration for God. Then I get up, brush my teeth, take my shower, have my devotions. And before I'll leave my home or leave my uh, my bedroom or leave my hotel room, I take my second prayer time, which is my knee time. That's where I go to my knees and say, God, I have no clue. I'm way beyond my pay grade. I don't know what I'm doing with my life. I have so many demands on my life. People calling me, texting me, needing help and people pulling on me. I can't do, I'm just human. I can't do this. So Lord, I give you all the burdens of my day, all the concerns of my day, because I need your wisdom and your intervention in my life. So first prayer time is horizontal, just adoration and worship. And second one is my giving supplication, saying, God, I need your guidance and wisdom. So for me, it helps me to set the tone for the day. And the last thing I do in my day is also go to my knee time to thank the Lord for taking me through another day. Help me to be the husband, the father, the ambassador for Christ, the employer, the uh, the consultant that people look to, that whatever he's put on my lap to do or my plate to do, that I would be able to be a good steward every day and thank him that he brought me through another day. Awesome. Those are gr- That's great advice, those three things. I know that people are in a lot of different places that that are listening in right now. Maybe you're driving, maybe you're washing the dishes, whatever it is. But if you could have someone's full attention right now and, and wanted to tell them one thing that I'm just going to give you the opportunity to keep, to continue to speak into them. But um, to those who maybe never lived, uh, maybe have, have been without a mother or a father or have suffered from divorce or any kind of abandonment, rejection, let down ailment. I know, I know you've, you've been through ailment, um, failure and a job, loss of a family member, anything that has been a real life struggle that they face. What's one thing that they can know today that they are not alone? Absolutely. That would, that's true of any circumstances you alluded to. I went through stage four B cell lymphoma cancer in 2015, but I, I, I just began to seek the Lord and say, God, I know you did not do this to me. In fact, my wife wrote a book based on our story yeah. from what I said to her that first day when we found out. She said, God did not do this to me when I said that. She wrote a book about that. In fact, then you're asking about people going through with, without a mother or father, the love of a sense of, a, of feeling that identity with a, a healthy relationship. Right. As you know, I wrote a book called Who's Your Daddy Now? And, and then I wrote a book after that called In Search of a Father's Blessing, which I believe the, our Heavenly Father it says in Colossians chapter 112, give thanks to the Father who has qualified us. I may not feel qualified. I may not feel like I'm the most deserving. But it says through Christ, because of the Son of God's love, which is Jesus, who all things are made to, through, for, and by him, that we have access to go to the Heavenly Father. We say, give thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be joint heirs uh, in, as children of, of God. So in other words, because of Jesus, we have access to God himself, who is given the title Father. So even though we may not have a healthy relationship with an earthly mother or father, we can now turn to the one 
who has given us access to his presence. And, you know, Youth of the Mission in Houston, we gave them offices when they first came to Houston. We we were doing a thing called Hope in Houston because there's 800 adoptable children in, in Harris County near Houston. And so we were trying to get the church to understand that we can imbibe all of them into the life of the body of Christ because these are children that need to know, have an identity and know the love of a father and a mother. And so we started the process. And so then YWAM ended up taking it to the next level. And they ended up now having a Christian adoption agency, having rescue families, helping these kids that are on the streets having kids. So they wouldn't be a part of a system, but get caught in the system, but they would now begin to feel identity and that people cared about them. And that's really what everyone's wanting right now. All of us ask the question at some point, like King David, who cares for my soul? Right. I, I want people to know that God cares. God has not forgotten you. No matter what we go through, through unexpected detours and challenges. I was born out of wedlock. I don't say that often, but I was born out of wedlock. My dad was a Navy SEAL and uh, was stationed in Japan during uh, after the Korean War. And my mother was Japanese. That's why people can't tell what I am, but I'm, I'm half Japanese. But uh, he did come back and marry my mom when I was about two years old. And then we came to, to San Diego, California. And so there was this identity crisis initially that could go with me, a stigma. And then my stepfather and my father were both military men, so they were gone a lot. So I was didn't really have any good role models as far as in the home. And so that was a part of my fear growing in life. That And they were both alcoholics at one time. Now, thank God they both came to Christ. I had a, a large part of influencing them and knowing, coming to know Christ later in years. But at the process of that, I went through an identity issue of not really having anyone to look to. And I think we all go through, we're in a generation of many people feeling that they that they're lacking identity or they don't have people that really care for them. Yeah, the and then they need to compare. Oh, she has that, he has that. Exactly. I don't. But see the thing in Christ through like Colossians chapter one, verse twelve, but we can give thanks to the Father who has now qualified us to be joint heirs yeah. as the children of the light. So through in Romans eight, it says that we all eight fifteen, that we can call God Abba. That's that's Aramaic word for daddy. We can run to our heavenly father. Not in fear, but saying, man, I really need you, God. I, I need you to give me wisdom, direction. Every morning in one of my prayers, I say, God, I thank you for your father's embrace. Why? I need to know that I'm sealed by that spirit of adoption. I need to know that he's there for me. And likewise, God reminds me to help others that are feeling that, to know that they can find security, even as me. I, I'm, I may not be a great role model, but I try to be the best. I make myself available. And for whatever reason, God's given me a lot of spiritual uh, relationships and children, so to speak, and and grandchildren and and those who have looked to me and says, you know, thank you for giving us an atmosphere of of God's presence, so we can find that access to God also. Yes, I would definitely say that you are a father to hundreds and thousands of people, and it's awesome that you share where you came from. And I think some people listening in that might really hit their spirit. What was the transformation part for you? Was it reading those scriptures and allowing its meaning to sink in? Or how did you stop dwelling on the fact of, well, I can't be anybody because of where I came from? Well, absolutely. We all go through areas of either disillusionment or disappointments that can distract us from our destination. Right. And I remember when I was um, in my exercise business and a good friend of mine was killed over a cocaine drug deal. I was living in sin and partying, even though I professed to be a Christian. I remember going to my knees in my office 
I said, God, I just can't take this anymore. And it was that moment I felt the overwhelming sense of God's presence. And God said, first of all, don't just call me, Lord, and not live for me. So I said, Lord, if you can do anything with someone like me who has broken your heart and brought shame to your name, I'll make myself available. I put it all back on the Lord and the grace of God came. And I remember the, this, the sense of his presence. And I didn't, nothing changed immediately, but just that honest prayer. Next thing I know, I began to see things differently. People that were hurting and I was able to pray for them. And I'd read something in the Bible that I could never understand before. It became alive all of a sudden. And I'd share those scriptures and my exercise business soon became a Christian activity center. I didn't even know what that was. I just started seeing people getting coming to know Christ. said, something's happened to you. What's going on? I had professional athletes to, to families, to wives, to, uh, to, to even a professional dance company came into my exercise studio and said, can we rent your studio at night when you close for our dancers? The next thing I know, the whole dance company came to Christ. They're now known <laughs> as our damn dance company all over the world doing ballet, tap, jazz. Or they work with the Rockettes. They work with all kinds of dance companies, but they're all under God now. They're loving the Lord. They're creating, doing creative dance and creative uh, cantatas and stuff. So I had no idea. I just made myself available, and God allowed me that, to do that. And now I'm looking all over. I come across people say, you may not remember me, but I came to a tent meeting an outdoor tent meeting at a Baptist church. One was Sherwood Forest Baptist Church. I was doing an outdoor tent meeting and somebody just recently contacted me and says, by the way, I was a teenager in that meeting. I gave myself my life, my life to the Lord. Now I'm a worship leader today. I had no clue. So by being available yes. and, and helping people to find identity, not in us, but in the Christ who lives in us, they have a connection now to the heavenly father who qualifies us and seals us by the spirit of adoption. Being available and also being willing to be visible. Yes. Where people can go and find you like almost evergreen recordings, you know? So that's important. Sometimes we can be available and say a prayer where God use me, please. You you know, I'm, I'm here. And then we never actually do anything to be visible because we're too afraid or we're comparing, we're unworthy. We got all those junk. We just got to fall off. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. What is, I know you shared a verse earlier. I don't know if it was your life verse, but um, what is your life verse and how does it, um, how, how do you cling to it? How does it transform your life, whether life looks good or not? Sure. You know, early on, I think one of my life verses was in Isaiah, where it says, Thou shalt keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on you. And I realized that if I need that, I really needed the peace of God in my life. I, I didn't feel worthy. I feel unqualified. And so I needed God's peace. Mm -hmm. And then the Lord took me from there and to give me some other life verses. And early on, I remember thinking, I'm just, I'm too young. I mean, how can I expect you to use me? And I, you know, I'm not qualified. And I remember the Lord put it in my heart. I was in T Tulsa, Oklahoma at some gathering and went to my hotel room. And I was saying, God, I don't know what I'm doing. I, I don't, I don't want to be in the ministry. I just want to go take care of the people you brought into my apartment and the ones that we've taken care of. I remember the Lord said for me to go downstairs to the restaurant at the, and I'm not saying audibly, but I felt a strong inclination. I went to the restaurant of the hotel. At that time, the hotel restaurant's name was called Jeremiah's. So the Lord says, now I want you to read 
in, in my heart, he said, read Jeremiah chapter one. And it said, and it goes through there. It says, do not say that you are too young mm. because I have called you to be a voice to your generation or to the nations. And I thought, wow. And then the Lord spoke to my heart and says, if you'll never forget where you've come from, I'll take you all over the world, even to heads of state. And I thought, well, Lord, I, I don't know. I don't want to go to heads of state. What does that look like? I just want to take care of the people you've given me. But now I fast forward and I think of scriptures like uh, Proverbs 14, 25, a true witness rescues lives or saves souls. That's really been the driving force of my life. I want to be a witness for Christ who literally can see people saved from their desperation and to see souls added to the kingdom. I, I want to see people find hope out of their despair. I want to see people find triumphs out of their tragedies. I want to see a, a transfer. I, I can look at a dilapidated building. And I can't see anything is going to happen with it. Some are really good at that. Oh, I can see this. I, I can't see it. But I can see a person whose life is spiritually dilapidate, dilapidated. And I can say, but God can do something with that person. And that's just been something he's put in me. So I try to bring uh, truth without compromise, but in a tangible way that people can find hope in Christ to change and transform their lives. And so literally not wanting to, God's taken me all over the world, like 40 plus nations personally, and probably over 60 with our ministries have been to about 60 nations. And I find myself in one moment sitting with an ambassador from one country and praying for them because they're desperate. Or I'm, I'm sitting with one of the wealthiest men in all of Asia, asking me to help disciple him and praying for him. Mm. Or sitting with the, the president of a Muslim country and, and praying for heads of other Muslim countries and, and being able to pray for them. And I'm thinking, how did I get here? It's not that I aspired to it. I simply made myself available to get into God's word to say, God, use me. So a true witness rescues lives and saves souls. Thou shalt keep in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you, Lord. So I realize my peace and my purpose comes from, and my mission comes from the Lord to be out there to see people's lives rescued and to save souls. Amen. I felt the Holy Spirit when you're talking just now. That was amazing. How can people get close to you? I think you have a prayer line too. Absolutely. And, you know, I know that my strength can be my weakness and my weakness can be my strength. But I, I'm pretty accessible to anybody, and um, uh, they can email me or they can go to my website, which is somebodycares.org, to find out what we're doing. And then uh, they, we have a prayer uh, email as well, prayer at somebodycares.org. I see all those prayers that come in. In fact, last night I got an email of someone who was having to drive a few hours to get to Houston. It's going through some physical ailments and heard about us and asked if I would pray for them. So I actually contacted that person, found their phone number. I called them back this morning before they went in to see the doctor, just so my wife and I could pray for them. Because i that's the passion of my heart. I want to see, yeah. you know, we're, we're, in the kingdom of God, we're not prima donnas. We, you know, we gotta, we've got to quit being enamored with celebrity. I think we honor and respect one another, but we don't have to be enamored with celebrity, be it Hollywood, sports figures, even preachers or politicians. We need to get back to recognizing we're nothing mm. without Christ. And so every morning I say, Lord, it's a privilege to serve you and to love your people. It's a privilege. And if I never forget where I've come from and I never forget that, God can keep using me with the down and outers. I mean, one moment I can be with thousands of people living in garbage dumps in one country. And the next few minutes later, an hour later, being with the president of that country, praying for them. 
And uh, I'm just blown away. So I, I'm not a respecter of peoples because Jesus isn't, but I do honor, respect what people have done. And uh, I hope and I pray that I'll continue to let Christ's light shine in and through me. Awesome. I am definitely going to connect everything that people want to hear more about you is going to be listed in the show notes in your book and your wife's book and everything like that. Thank you so much for coming on. Would you mind to close us out today in a prayer? Absolutely. Uh, Father, I thank you for the privilege of being on today with Laura. God, what a joy it's been to reconnect with her and her family. And Lord, I'm reminded, and even I'm encouraged in my older years to keep on investing in and sowing into and empowering this next generation, because I believe it's that generation of visionaries and passionate young men and women who will lead us in the place of victory for the future in the midst of difficult times. God, help us not to foster or focus on our disappointments, but lead us, Father, through any disillusionments and disappointments and keep our vision of destination, our vision of hope in you. For we know, Lord, that if we fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy set before you endured all the difficulties and challenges, God, that we could do the same. God, help us to see you as our life giver, to see you as our the peace of God that surpasses all human comprehension. You're the joy that gives us strength. God, our hope is in you and not in man or woman or political parties or institutions. Our hope is in you, Lord. So, Lord, I'm praying for each and every person that's listening to this podcast. Would you give them a renewed revelation of your love, of a tangible expression of your love to them? Father, even if they don't know you, I pray that you would give them a sense of your presence. And Father, if they would just pray like I've prayed in so many, I've prayed with with professors from Tehran University who didn't even believe in you. But Lord, I've prayed this prayer and saying, Jesus, if you are who you say you are, would you reveal yourself to me? God, I pray those praying right now would say, Jesus, if you are who you say you are, then reveal yourself to me. God, would you reveal yourself to them? Would you give them a sense of your presence and change their lives? In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Thank you. Awesome. Well, I just pray a special blessing, hedge of protection around you and your family today. He keep giving you resources of his power and anointing wherever you travel and safety and health. Thank you so much, Doug. Thank you. Can't wait to see your family again. Yes. Come come on back to Kentucky. I think I will. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening in today to the Living Aura Show. I hope you gain massive value and take action on this lesson. Make sure to subscribe wherever you listen to your podcast. And if you have iTunes, do me a favor and go give an honest review. I hope you're going to give me a five star, right? (laughs) That's the way to get this message out to more people in the world. Share the link on your social media. Share the wealth. That's how we can give back and inspire others, especially now more than ever. Go out and be inspiring and be fully alive in your aura and energy that attracts abundance.